0: ultimate fulfillment is when you know your values and you live the momentary I didn't say daily I didn't say hourly I said momentary do I do that not even close mate welcome to humanity but there is the lighthouse but you've got to first know what your values are. And the interesting thing about that is who defines it? You define it. You're defining the best of you through your values. Now, what if you actually lived it? <laughs> you lived those values on a momentary basis. You're walking authenticity, you're walking solidarity. So, fulfillment is to be able to live your values to higher degrees on an ongoing basis. Welcome to the journey. Biggest game changer for me is probably six years ago, and this will surprise people, separation and divorce. Great, incredible game changer. Now please don't misconstrue me. I'm not I'm not supporting the journey at all, right? But one of the great game changers is when pain and chaos intervenes in your life and makes you reflect and re-evaluate. And if you're still committed to life, then reflection and re-evaluation in such a painful circumstance has got to come up with an answer that negates the pain. Well, there's only one answer that negates pain and chaos, mate, and that's love and nurture and care. Well, the game changer is you actually decide that love is all there is (laughs) the rest is window dressing now i got some maybe it's my figment of my imagination but people listening to this don't you misconstrue that that's not motherhood stuff it's actually possible for love to be a purpose of your life and why wouldn't you don't you want to be happy now and i'm going to give credit to my son because James Kelly, you know, said about, you know, exercise and fitness work, Dad, you got to win the mornings. Well, son, I've actually learnt that you've actually got to win the mornings and you've got to win the afternoon evenings. Now why? Because most people have in between, unless you're a shift worker, you have your work, which hopefully is an extension of yourself anyway. So guess what? Your fitness work, your meditation work, your reflection work, your re-evaluation work, you've got to do that in the mornings. Or you've got to do that in the, in the afternoons. So I love getting to bed before 10. Why? Well, if I get to bed before 10 p.m., I'm waking up at 5. If I'm waking up at 5, I'm walking the reaches of the Brisbane River between 5 and half past 5. I've got my little meditation spot there, Get into the right state for the day. I'm up at Joey's, the cafe, starting to do some work up there and get my mind around the day, having a really, really beautiful start to the day. And in the afternoon, around about 4 or 5 o'clock, I've got the exercise locked in. Welcome, dear people, and thank you ever so much for joining yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. And let's get this party started, said Pink. Well, we have a party here because it's our first anniversary. April the 27th, dear people, was when we first launched episode number one of A Journey with Bernie. Don't you remember it? Ken Pakenham. If you've not heard that episode, get back there and have a great listen to an episode that truly launched the pathway of exploration of how you and I can become more loving human beings, how we can generate greater happiness from within and bring more meaning to our humble lives. Ken Pakenham did that in such a marvelous way, but so too did the 34, 35, 36 guests that followed, and they've all added tremendous value to the journey. I'm so grateful to the 4,000 listeners now that seem to tune in for each and every episode, and I'm grateful to you for your patronage and support. We've learned a lot about life, but just as Chip and I did in the last three weeks when we warned you, we were in Nepal having that magnificent trekking experience to Everest Base Camp. And the great news is, is that many Australians stood at the base of Sagarmatha, Mother Goddess, Mount Everest herself, and they will never forget the experience Of getting there, being in the presence of the most powerful forces of nature upon planet Earth and being led by perhaps the most peaceful tribe of people on planet Earth. I'm referring to the Sherpa, beautiful, beautiful people, most of whom are blessed with the philosophy of Buddhism. No wonder that trilogy of Himalaya, Sherpa and Buddhism seems to penetrate the souls of all those who venture along that epic pathway to Of course, there are many other wonderful treks in Nepal. What about Langtang and Annapurna and Gokyo Lakes? They can all be had, dear folks, and they're calling you. And if you'd like to join us, why not consider giving me a call or a text on plus six one. That's the Australian country code Plus six one, four one two, nine eight two. Triple four plus six one, four one two, nine eight two. Triple four. Your interest will inspire me to send you a comprehensive information kit which gives you all the information about our forthcoming journey to Nepal, departing Australia on October 6th. You are more than welcome to join us. Something else that happened that was unexpected, not in Nepal, but when I came back, was a call from episode 30 magnus olsen i knew that magnus ran his own podcast and it's a ripper folks m26 fit find it on Spotify or Apple. It's about health and well being. Magnus operates a little different to a journey with Bernie. He certainly interviews his guests, but he offers them 26 questions in 26 minutes. Well, you can imagine how that worked with me. I told him right up front that if I'm a guest, I don't think I can stick to the 26-minute process. And I didn't, dear people. And that's why... His latest episode is M26 Fit interviews Bernie Kelly about love, happiness, and meaning. For you, that means that episode, to some degree, is a summary of all that I've learned from our past guests over the last 12 months. Questions like, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? What if you were prime minister? What are your greatest fears that hold you back? Do I have any regrets? I tell you what, he cut to the chase and dug deep, but I enjoyed every moment of it. And I think if you listen to it, I'll be surprised if there's not some content there that adds real value to your journey as well. So this is what episode 37 here on A Journey with Bernie is all about. It's different. It's not me interviewing a guest. It's Magnus Olsen interviewing Bernie Kelly and his journey, a journey with Bernie about life and what he's discovered on how to become that more loving, happier, and meaningful human being. I do hope you enjoy this episode. Consider a summary of all that you've heard previously. I'm sure it will add value. Hey, cheers for now. Enjoy.
1: Today's guest is Bernie Kelly, adventurer, facilitator, and even Toastmaster champion. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, mate.
0: Mate, that Toastmaster, do they know the difference between a Toastmaster and a Toastmaker? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they probably don't. You might need a bit of explanation around that. So let's um, let's hear a bit of the Bernie Kelly story. You can tie that in there maybe for yeah, us. Okay,
0: mate. It's always funny when you, you ask someone for their story, like where do you start? Do you want to hear that I went to Nudgy College, you know, first 11, first 15, vice captain of the school, all that type of stuff. I reckon I'll start post-school and I'll just go to a love of cricket and all I wanted to do was play Sheffield Shield Cricket when I left school, I even did my human movement degree, a glorified um, phys ed course from the University of Queensland in order to, you know, facilitate my, uh, my, my cricket skills. Um, went to England. That was a great choice. Uh, I can't even remember back when, Magnus. Played 72 games of cricket in one season. I do remember it was the year that Charles married Diana. Because England was on fire at that time. so
1: seventy two games in England. in England. Club
0: cricket over there, most most sensational learned experience of my life, okay. simply because a professional boy out of Nudge College thought you couldn't have a beer, you couldn't socialize with people, you had to sort of like be professional and routine and disciplined. And I think I walked into Shepherd's Bush cricket Club, and the guy, and I said, they asked me, uh, what would you like to drink, Kelly? And I said, i oh, I have an orange juice, thank you. And apparently the little notebook came out and they took odds on how long I'd last. <laughs> 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 and the truth is I didn't last very long at all. I had the most wonderful, sensational, social, educational time, thanks to English cricket, you know, way back then, and I think that was 1978. 81, I went back again. 83... I actually picked up a coaching job in in Holland. The truth is, I was always a better coach than I was a player. Even though I played a couple of games for you know underage Queensland sides, played good A grade cricket for about seven years here in Brisbane, but always a better coach than I was uh, than I was a player. So I coached then Kampong in the Dutch league. And uh, that was a terrific experience. Hopped off the train there at Utrecht. Charles Verheyen was the president, and he said, now, Mr. Bernie Gilly, just to remind you that last year we finished near last. We hope to finish seventh. And I remember walking down the platform thinking to myself, who tells an Australian... To aim for seventh, <laughs> and so lo and behold, we had a fantastic season. We finished up winning the competition, and they—that's one of those like English soccer where you get promoted and demoted depending on where you finish on the ladder. And so Kampong got promoted to the uh, the Hof class, I think it's called, the first class of yeah. cricket there in the Netherlands, and they were there for a long, long time. Yeah. So they were, they were great experiences. Did a human that human movement degree, got involved in the gym industry. Some people must have liked me early on because I finished up a junior manager. And how do they train you to be a manager of gyms? Well, back in those days, it was seminars. It was Tom Hopkins, The Secret of Writing Great Letters, Zig Ziglar, um, Dr. Dennis Waitley, The Psychology of Winning. And I'd pay him a 95 bucks and go along to the Brisbane Park Royal to see these guys and think to myself, geez, I'd like to do that. That'd be fantastic. It's a different style of coaching. So my answer to that was to join Toastmasters, you know, an international public speaking organization. And uh, cut the long story short, I became the Australian champion about a year and a half. And that allowed me to go into the world championship of Toastmaster yeah. public speaking, in which I finished third. And Magnus, let's just say, upon return to Australia, I had something to hang my hat on as a, as a speaker. Truth is, didn't realize it back then, I had nothing to speak about. I just had a good mouth. You know? But I'd done the team sports, I'd done the public speaking thing through Toastmasters, so why not invent educationals around building winning teams and how to make people sit up and listen, the, you know, the secret of, uh, of public conversation. And so that was really the start of my training and coaching um, period of my life and uh, that has been my life ever since ni- 1986. The only thing that you, you learn along the way is you can speak and tell your story and try to educate. It's nowhere near as good as creating experiences for people People learn from experiences, mate, not from stories. So I then became an experiential trainer. And to this day, I really value how can I turn things into a process, an interactive process and experience. Hence the 15 Kilimanjaro's, you know, the nine Everest base camps, the two or three Machu Picchu's, a couple of Caminos, and uh, hence it turns me into a trekker, <laughs> <laughs> an aged trekker. <laughs> I feel like, I feel as if I'm, um, who's, the, who's the head of the Rolling Stones? What's his name? Mick Jagger? <laughs> like he's an aged, aged singer. I'm an aged trekker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. And that actually leads into our next question. So just talk us through that trekking life. Why?
0: Oh, mate, you know, it's, Changes over time. Like if you said, "Why did I do my first Kilimanjaro?" Well, you do it because it's a great adventure. You do it because it's it's like, why don't you climb a mountain? Why don't you test yourself? You know. But now, totally changed, Magnus. I go to Everest Base Camp each year, happy to take people there because I want them to experience the greatest force of nature upon planet Earth. Now, why? because there's something liberating about learning that you are connected with people, you are connected with nature. Um, It means that you're so much, there's something in you that's so much bigger than just seeing yourself, but you've got to go there seeking that, that connection. I had to laugh. I was only there two weeks ago, as you know, right? And I'm watching all these people trek to Everest Base Camp and they're all locked in to their destination of the day and they've got their poles out and away they go. They're just working away and they're missing. They're missing Everest.
1: Yeah.
0: They're missing Lhotse. They're missing these 7,000-metre peaks. They're missing the glory of Dablam, And they're not even feeling that incredible connection with nature that is a million years old that surrounds them. They're not even aware that they're in the presence yeah. of a million years. Well, mate, I can't go to those places and not seek mm. that yeah. presence because I want to be connected to something that's far greater than me, mate. Yeah. And that's why I trek. That's why I trek, you know. Yeah. And this fella here, we talk about quickly about goals, Uh, I'm going to do two global treks a year for the next 12 years. I reckon these legs have got plenty left in them yet. And um, they'll be different treks every year, mate, because I want to experience that power of nature on this incredible planet Earth.
1: What would you say the difference would be between Everest and that Nepal region versus Kilimanjaro in Africa?
0: Yeah, really, really simple answer to that. One, it's easier to make. One's 5,400 metres, that's Everest base camp. Kilimanjaro is nearly 5,900 metres. But people don't understand altitude. It's not the altitude, the height that is your issue or your challenge. The actual challenge is the rate of ascent. On Kilimanjaro, mate, you're always on the way up. (laughs) And so you don't get those opportunities to acclimatise Whereas you take eight days to go from Lukla to Everest Base Camp and two of those are acclimatisation days and some of those days are down into the valleys and then up to a height that's much the same as where you started. Well, this really works with your body and so you're a much bigger chance of making Everest Base Camp than you are Kilimanjaro. It's 400 metres difference but... Despite that difference, you can ninety eight percent of people are going to make Everest Base Camp. I tell you what, the reason why they don't is because they shudder at the word Everest, and they've got this they've got this mindset around that Everest is is something really really tough and hard. They're right. Mount Everest is. We aren't going there. We're going to five thousand four hundred meters Everest Base Camp, which is that glorious place on the Kumbu Glacier. Yeah.
1: You know. Wow. Now. Game changer. What's game. a game changer for you?
0: A game changer? You mean in my whole life? Yes. Oh mate. The biggest game changer for me is probably six years ago, and this'll surprise people. Separation and divorce. Yeah. Great, incredible game changer. Now, please don't misconstrue me. I'm not I'm not supporting the journey at all, right? But one of the great game changers is when pain and chaos intervenes in your life and makes you reflect and reevaluate. And if you're still committed to life, then reflection and reevaluation in such a painful circumstance has got to come up with an answer that negates the pain. Yeah. Well, there's only one answer that negates pain and chaos, mate, and that's love and nurture and care. Well, the game changer is you actually decide that love is all there is. <laughs> the rest is window dressing. Now i got some, maybe it's my figment of my imagination, but people listening to this, don't you misconstrue that. That's not motherhood stuff. Yeah. It's actually possible for love to be a purpose of your life.
1: And why wouldn't you? Don't you want to be happy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's a pretty, I've been through it as well. That's, um not the sort of thing you wish on anyone, but it's... No, not at all, mate. Not at all.
0: Not at all. But I'm thankful for the journey. You know, two people can get separated and divorced and one can go into revenge and retribution mode and be unhappy all the rest of their life and the other one goes, guess what? Part of the journey, (laughs) you know, and it can be a catalyst for discovering more. Well, why wouldn't you... Want to discover more through your hiccups and your errors of your ways, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. it just comes back into that growth mindset, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it does, mate. It does. Why are we here? Well, guess what I want to maximise life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sounds like you're doing a pretty good job.
0: I'm happy, mate. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty darn happy. You yeah. Know? I, if you talk about one of the other challenges, then yeah. is the greater happiness is then taking control of monkey mind. And and reflection and re-evaluation and discovering you've got a greater capacity to love, then means, well, how do I maximize that capacity? Well you've got to take control of monkey mind, mate. Yeah. Otherwise bloody mind, which is a reflection of all past experiences, mental data and you know memories, it'll just play havoc with you. Yeah. Well guess what? You've got to take control of that, manage it. Go and do Vipassana meditation, then you might even learn to purify it. You know, there are some great meditation techniques out there that can that can really they can help assist, you know, yeah. manage
1: it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fair enough. The M twenty six in twenty six those twenty six questions already. Wait, 26 26 questions? And how long do I get to answer a question, mate? Well, idealistically around a minute. Oh, mate, you know me. That's impossible. It's a challenge. So I'll start off. What's a vision board? I know that you've got one and I know it's very dear to you, but uh, would you mind explaining that for us?
0: Well, on a single A4 landscape piece of page, it opens up my laptop. The page doesn't, but when I open up the laptop, there's the page, you know. (laughs) Everything that's on that board is the only thing that's important to me. But I tell you what, I clap i every six months. It starts with the purpose why I'm here, well that's easy, I'm here to be love. Um, The mission is to be an angel of joy, please don't put a religious connotation on that. Um, An angel of joy is to meet someone for two minutes, can you put a smile on their face, why not? What's the message? Love is all there is, the rest is window dressing. And then on the left-hand side of the vision board is the complete corporate and commercial um, uh, working aims. Yeah. But you've got to make sure that your work is an extension of yourself. That's why your life principles and your values have got to be part of your vision board because don't do any work. Don't do any work for money. That's a shit way of living, right? Do work because it's an extension of of what your values are and, and who you are. And then your work is, um, is you. It, it allows you to be the real you. Gotta have family goals in there, mate, health goals in there. You know, all my tricks are on there. If it ain't on the vision board, Magnus, it doesn't count. Here's the interesting thing about the vision board, ready? Is when I'm not doing when I'm doing stuff that's not on the vision board. I get this bloody little mind thing at the back of my mind. It goes, "Eh, eh." what am I doing this for? What a waste of time. Vision board keeps me focused, mate, real focus.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I might have to um, invest in one, spend a bit of time.
0: The benefit of it, mate, is clarity. Yeah. It gives you crystal clear clarity. But don't kid yourself, values can shift even in a six-month period, mate. We're all – we're all – we're all product of change and shift depending on our experiences. Go yeah. back to your vision board every six months. Yep. Just alter it, modify it just a little yep. bit,
1: mate. Just yeah. dial the knobs.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Finish this sentence, I believe. Oh, man, I've
0: already said it, right? So the most important thing is I believe that love is all there is. The rest is window dressing and people hear, what about your work? Well, you got to bring love to your work, If you're not bringing passion and love to everything that you do in your work, why the freaking hell are you doing it? Exactly. In my case, it's a little bit easier because I'm hanging around people, I'm coaching people. But if I love them so much, then I even work out how can I do my coaching in a way that's going to be greatest potency. And I discover so much then about how to be potent, but that's actually born out of love is all there is. The rest is window dressing, yeah. you know. So it's got to it's got to pervade all aspects of your life. And my love always, of course, not welcome to humanity, mate. You yeah. know, and I even enjoy catching myself when I'm not. You know, like so today I was with beautiful Albany Creek State High School had four half-hour talks to grade 11s and grade 8s, and I come to the fourth session. Guess what? I've done three in a row. I've really let it rip on the kids. They're all loving it. And one kid in grade 8 makes his noise, and I lose it. And I come, I'm driving home and I'm just saying, why the heck did I lose it? There's no need to lose it. Just let the kid make a funny farting noise, mate. It's okay, you know? But I lost it. Love is not all there is in that moment. You know, welcome to humanity. I love the fact that we can be these things in greater degrees. Yes, That's the, mate, we are these things to a degree. Can we be it to a greater degree? Absolutely. Welcome to the journey. Yeah. Vision board.
1: Yep. <laughs> Continuous improvement. <laughs> what are you passionate about, Bernie? Yeah, I'm passionate. I know. Here we go, mate. Just passionate about life. Yeah. I was going to say you can you can see that. Well, oh, buddy. Surely, why
0: the why you wake? Why is anyone waking up every day if they're not committed to maximising it? But to maximize it, you've got you to gotta let go of past. Past? Urgh. I'm going to get the psychologist. They're just about to ring you, mate. Ready? Past is irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant about your past is what you give meaning to. If you give meaning to the past, guess what? You're going to live it today. But if you say it about your past, it's just all part of the journey, then guess what? You can wake up today and maximize this moment today. Just be careful. Now, this will sound paradoxical to what I'm saying. Be careful of your vision board. Right, because your vision board is only created through the paradigms of your past. (laughs) You can only see for your future what your past experiences allow you to see. And I know that the gods have a right to interfere with my vision board at any time, in which case my value has got to kick in. And the value is um, just know that um, everything is impermanent, mate including all my goals set. They're not necessarily going to be carried through. And um, the challenge is when I get the curveball, how will I respond? How will you play it? How will I maximise it, mate? Even the new, the new environment, the new
1: circumstance, you know, and that increase the experience as well because obviously the more experience you've got, then the broader your knowledge base is.
0: Well, you, might, you get great experiences then too because you're not dwelling upon, oh, poor me, poor me. Guess what? Three days of bad weather, you know, stopped me from going into the Himalayas and really upset our plans, which it, which it has done, you know. Well, you know, then how do you maximise the three days while you're locked into a little Nep- Nepalese village? Go out and play cricket with the kids. You know, go and, go and spend great time knowing the fellow participants that are on the trip with you, but don't sit still and dwell.
1: Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. What activities bring you joy, Bernie?
0: Well, geez, mate, I've already, I reckon I've already <laughs> done the podcast in the first five minutes, because I'm repeating myself. Um, reading. I love to read. I have one of my values is clearly thirst for wisdom. So how I read, how silly is it that people read five minutes before they go to sleep? (laughs) I don't take the book to bed, you know. Some people can take the book to bed and then read for a a prolonged period of time. I can't. It just knocks me off. So what I do is, mate, wherever I go, I carry the book.
1: Which book are you carrying at
0: the moment? Right at the moment, Sapiens, like, oh, Ural, Novel, I can't even remember his surname. I just know that he's a professor of anthropology from the University of Jerusalem speaking about the history of humankind. It's a mind-blower, and I'm going to say to people out there, compulsory, you got to read it. You've got to understand why we have the world evolved in the way that it has today. I'm not saying he's right. But I tell you what, the guy's got information and he's got a great story and he paints the picture really well, you know. I'm learning so much from him.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The importance of routine for you, win the mornings.
0: Oh, man, you said win the mornings, right? That's because I, gave, I bloody gave you that one the other day, mate, so you're <laughs> quoting me, right? No, and I'm going to give credit to my son. Because James Kelly, you know, said about, you know, exercise and fitness work, Dad, you got to win the mornings. Well, son, I've actually learned that you've actually got to win the mornings, and you got to win the afternoon evenings. Now, why? Yeah. Because most people have in between, unless you're a shift worker, you have your work, which hopefully is an extension of yourself anyway. Yeah. So guess what? Your fitness work, your meditation work, your reflection work, your re-evaluation work, you got to do that in the mornings well, you got to do that in the, in the afternoons. So I love getting to bed before 10. Why? Well, if I get to bed before 10 p.m., I'm waking up at 5. If I'm waking up at 5, I'm walking the reaches of the Brisbane River between 5 and half past 5. I've got my little meditation spot there, get into the right state for the day. I'm up at Joey's, the cafe, starting to do some work up there and get my mind around the day, having a really, really beautiful start to the day. And in the afternoon around about 4 or 5 o'clock, I've got the exercise locked in. And uh, guess what? When I'm out of routine, mate, I know it. I know it. That routine's a, a, a beauty to me, you know. That sounds like a cracker. No, up at Joey's not a bad spot for a morning coffee either, is it? Mate, guess what? They love me so much up there. They don't even take other other people other clients to my spot in the corner
1: <laughs> up there. <laughs>
0: so you've got your own seat. <laughs> Thank you, Joey. You're beautiful people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Name a few things that you do consistently.
0: Um, well, the exercise is, is one, I, I, in, in truth, I'd love to say, I want to do it more consistently, but the aim is six days a week, right? I believe in this, in the seventh rest, my my body at my stage of life needs a rest in those days, but that can be a long walk. It could be the kangaroo point loop walk. I regard that as a recreational piece of exercise, the 6.6 K walk, um, but, intense exercise, I'm talking about going down to Harry's and doing the boxing down there, the boxing class, that's intense. Um, Going to the gym where I've met you, even our little local gym here in our Riverscape uh, unit apartments. Um, Hot yoga for me, mate, that's intense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The park run on a Saturday morning, 5K. These are intense pieces of exercise. So... um, they're, they're mandatory to me. The meditation on a daily basis is is mandatory for me. Do I always get there? No. Welcome to humanity. I'm not going to um, roll myself up because I don't, yeah. but that's what I seek. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The role of good nutrition, what's that look like for you? Well, First
0: of all, people uh, think about eating well. and I uh, love people who say to me, oh, it's all about balance. And I just say, that's bunkum. Uh, let me say what I think over here. If you love your body, you ain't going to fuel it with crap, right? What's crap? Anything that's processed. It's crap, right? Your body wasn't meant to have all of that processed food. It was meant for bloody veggies and fruits. It was meant for the legumes and the nuts, a little bit of protein that can come through many, many different ways. I'm not 100% sure where fish stands in at all. I just, I got a feeling that there's so many done fish in the ocean until we worked out a way to outfish them, and now we've got a problem in the ocean. But there's so many fish in the ocean, I reckon they were meant for our protein supplements. So, man, I'm big on the salmon. I've excused myself in the salmon. I've almost let go of chicken, you know, mate, because I just don't agree with this whole concept of we just create chicken after chicken after chicken after chicken, after chicken and we just do them for human consumption. It just doesn't seem right that we play with life that way, you know? <laughs> so um, to me, if you love your body, if you consider it the greatest machine ever made, if you consider it a great miracle, come on, get to understand how it works then you're going to eat properly. It ain't even a discipline, you know. So so I just find it pretty darn easy to eat really well.
1: I'm glad to hear those views on there. So very another (laughs) passionate topic by the sound of it.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, the meat eaters are already on the line, mate, you know. (laughs) Altitude sickness, we touched on it
1: before. What is it and and how do you prevent it?
0: well, first of all, you, you, you acclimatise. Climatize acclimatize means that as you're, as you're climbing to the greater heights, it's the, it's the tortoise that wins the race, mate. You've got to be the last to arrive every day if you're moving into, into altitude. Um, things like diamox which is a prescribed antibiotic that can help, but so too there are herbal um, uh, supplements that you can take that supposedly also also help. But you take that Everest base camp, two acclimatisation days mean that we go to a greater height but we return to the lower height. So this management allows us to go to over 5,000 metres and if you're managing your body well, you're managing the acclimatisation process well, you're going to make it, mate. You, you, 98% make Everest Base Camp. Yeah. <laughs> 60% make Kilimanjaro. Oh, okay,
1: that's an interesting
0: statistic. Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, you well, know, there or thereabouts. You yeah. know. So, uh, altitude is that decreasing oxygen. I think it's around about 5,000 meters. You're almost down to 50% to 60% of the oxygen that you're breathing in at sea level. Well,. How does the body respond to that? It's, it's all about respiratory and, and cardiovascular differences now. And you need to manage that. You
1: know? Is there anything people could do if you were cause obviously I'm taking the the trek with you, you to Base mate. Camp you in October? So mm. I'm massively looking forward to. Yeah. So apart from scaling up and down a few hills to get a bit of training in, is there anything that I could do to
0: mate, just look between your knees and underneath your ribs and make sure that is hardcore. You know, make sure that quads and those hamstrings are as strong as and as powerful as because there's plenty of steps. Don't go up steps one at a time. Don't you ever let me see you taking an elevator in the next six months, mate, right? No elevators, <laughs> no lifts. You've got to walk, 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 walk. When yep. you're going up steps, take two steps, at a, two, two steps at a time. For those that that find that hard, just make sure you're taking the steps. Yep. Um, if you can run 5Ks in around about 30 minutes, guess what? The, the hammies and the quads are, are strong enough to... To be able to to handle it, that's a good thing, you know. But just work on core work, plenty of abdominals, and don't forget the lower back too, mate. You know, get a good balance between uh, abdominals and the strength that's in your back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good advice. What's been your most memorable trek?
0: Yeah, surprise, surprise. Guess what? It ain't Kilimanjaro and it's not Everest Space Camp, even though I just love the power of nature there. It's yeah. the Camino across northern Spain, wow. the Great Walk to Santiago. Now, why? Well, first of all, when you walk the Camino, you don't know who you're going to be walking with on a daily basis. You meet strangers. Everybody has the experience of meeting a stranger. You walk with them for an hour, and all of a sudden, both of you are opened up about your lives. Next thing you know, you've walked for four hours together, and you've done therapy on each other. They've told you all about their life. You told them all about your life. And they've listened to it. They've asked questions. You've got to know each other. Guess what? You open up about the good, the bad, and the ugly, mate. And about So what your
1: is life. what is it? Just explain the Camino for us quickly. Ah,
0: mate. The Great Camino. Well, the, Cam- the Great Camino is probably the French way that starts in John Jean- Saint Jean-Pierre de Port. Um, that's in the French Pyrenees and the first day is walking across the French-Spanish border over the Pyrenees. It's the hardest day of the whole 40-day Camino.
1: 40 days? 40-day, 40
0: mate, 800 kilometres. It's the walk of St. James, mate. St. James, yeah. after you know Christ got crucified, apparently the apostles went left, right, and centre, but St. James got Spain, and he was a bit of a smash hit in northern Spain. They actually liked him over there. But he went back to Jerusalem when he heard that all his apostle mates were getting beheaded by the Roman Empire and he himself got caught. Well, wind the clock on about 900 years, I don't know how it happened, miracle of miracles, his body turns up in a boat on um, western Spain, you know, um, near Finisterre. Ministero. And someone says that's St. James. So they want to take his body back to where he was a smash hit in Spain. But the Moors, I think the the Islam, the, the Islamic movement got wind of this and said, we're going to put a stop to that. We don't want Christianity rising up again. So they buried him. They buried him in the spot known now as Santiago. Santiago, Saint Iago, James. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Very educational. Thanks for that. So the pilgrimage walk is you come to honour St. James, whose body is buried at the Cathedral of Santiago. Wow. 800-kilometre walk, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the other good news is you stay in the albergues where all these dormitories that you're staying with, all these people over there, and at the bottom of the albergues are cafes where they give you two meals for 10 euros and a bottle of red wine. Who are you going to share it with? Fellow walkers. This is where it's it's one of the great things of humanity, you know. But all along the way is this pilgrimage walk with every little church and village got these um, icons of religiosity, it invades your soul, Magnus. Yeah, sounds epic. <laughs> Change of
1: pace. Define fulfilment.
0: Oh, i got a good answer for that. Yeah. Ultimate fulfilment is when you know your values and you live them momentary. I didn't say daily. I didn't say hourly. I said, momentary. Do I do that? Not even close, mate. Welcome to humanity. But there is the lighthouse. But you've got to first know what your values are. And the interesting thing about that is who defines it? You define it. You're defining the best of you through your values. Now, what if you actually lived it? (laughs) You lived those values on a momentary basis. You're walking authenticity. You're walking solidarity. So fulfilment is to be able to live your values to higher degrees on an ongoing basis. Welcome to the journey.
1: The greatest decision you've ever made.
0: Greatest decision I ever made is to love life fully and to embrace and know that I am already walking love. And the only thing that stops me from being it is the distractions on a daily basis. Monkey mind. I'm already a good, wonderful, loving human being. I'm already there, except I bought into... All of this stuff that's around us are bought into what monkey mind is brought into, you know, and it keeps on interfering on a daily basis. Got to manage the bugger. Got to purify the bugger because guess what? The more and more I manage it and I keep it out there and only let it in when I want it in, the more and more I, I can be walking, walking love, you know, and that's love for life it's love for all people, Magnus. Bullshit. We don't have to Don't just love some. Why can't we love them all? Will I love you back? No, of course not. Welcome to humanity, yeah. you know. But that view brings me great, great fulfilment in, in my life. But, of course, love for treasured ones where you harness all that love for the treasured ones in your life which, of course, in previous time I haven't done. I didn't do that to the, to the ilk that I now know is possible, you know. Sorry to, you know, past loves in my life, you know, but to love and treasure my kids, to respect um, the people that have been in my life that have helped me become uh, a more loving human being. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. The greatest decision I made is to know that I am a loving human being and I can be it. Welcome to the journey.
1: What gives you inspiration?
0: (laughs) My attitude towards life. (laughs) Mate, John Buchanan, the great Australian cricket coach, coach, once said, or once was asked, he said, how do you how do you inspire Queensland rugby league side to win the third state of origin when they've already won the first two? And he said, Well, first of all, I've never inspired anybody. And the interviewer said, Well, yes, you have. He said, You won 72% of your games as the Australian cricket coach, which is a better coaching record than the great Manchester United coach, I've forgotten his name, and Vince Lombardi from the Green Bay back Green Bay Packers. And he said, well, no, he says what great coaches do is they, they paint pictures of possibilities in their players' minds and the players buy into that picture and they inspire themselves. Yeah. Well, guess what? When I say I inspire myself, because that's because I'm always painting the picture and I'm giving it more colour and I'm repainting it. You know, every six months, go back to the vision board, paint the picture again, Bernie. And I look at that picture and I go, God, that's an inspiring life. Can I be it? (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) What's your greatest fear, Bernie? Uh, My greatest, I, I have two fears, right, and it doesn't win. They don't win. And I'm not saying that to be, a, oh, aren't I good? That's not ego speaking. My greatest fear is is that not to maximise my life or to move far enough down that pathway to whereby I can say, geez, I gave it a red hot go, you know. I don't want to be a person who pulled up well and truly short. I'm okay with pulling up short but only just short of the whole, huh? And the other, the other fear is not to love deeply. I don't, I don't, I just don't want to. I don't want what I see floating around. People just existing, and guess what? Half the people who I know are married are just existing, <laughs> and I'm not saying that demeaningly. They're just hanging in, and they're hanging in because what they have to. You know, I don't want. I don't want that. Guess what? Um, the next treasured one in my life, and yes, I'm announcing that I'm single. Right, <laughs> second and last great chapter of love to come. Lucky girl, because guess what? And it's not about you, young lady. Yeah. It's about me being the man who wants to love that deeply. Yeah, all in, all in, mate, all in. And why wouldn't I? Because I've just got this picture that 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 It's got to be an epitome of feeling. Of love, life maximised. Absolutely, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, oh, folks, can I say this? All oh, of this could be bullshit. <laughs> it could be wrong, <laughs> you know. But it's just Bernie's interpretation, yeah, you know, which you're entitled to. Absolutely, buddy. Yeah. And you know, and and if someone can convince me otherwise, and I'm all ears, I'm yeah. flexibility, got flexibility to hear it, you know. Yeah.
1: Briefly share a personal setback and what got you through it.
0: Oh man, I, I, I've already done it. You know, separation and divorce gave me one and a half years of pain and chaos. You know, yep. and I remember, I remember a day. It's funny how when we're in pain and chaos, we all go to religion. <laughs> we all go to God. You know, and I remember I'm driving along, and I went, uh, God, help me, please. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I bellowed out that question looking looking skyward back came an answer mate. No, I don't know where it came from just the back of mind'll do you know and the answer went eh, eh, wrong question and I just went oh, yeah you're right you're spot on you're right I know I know I shouldn't have asked the question and I answered my own my own plea and it said, Stop feeling sorry for yourself, Bernie. Stop looking backwards. Don't look in the rear vision mirror. Mate, look at the skills and the talents you've got. Get out there and maximise them. You're a coach, fella. Get out there and coach like you've never coached
1: before. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of a good saying that um, there's a reason that the windscreen in your car is the size that it is <laughs> and the rear-view vision mirror is the size it is, is how much time you should spend
0: glancing yeah. back at the past.
1: So. And the back window collects all the dust, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If you were Prime Minister. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, first of all, mate, if I, if I was Prime Minister, I'd get all the education ministers in together and I'd say, hey, excuse me. At the moment, you've got all these kids doing 12 years of education. Is there a possibility that with Google and technology and AI, can we actually fit in all that information into 10 years, right? Because guess what? On the other last two years, I want them to do boot camps. I want them to have work experiences. I want to, I want to actually finance where they actually travel overseas for three months and go to a developing country and realise that they're not the only human beings upon the planet. I want them to realise that in Australia, um, you're, you're actually blessed that, that half the world's population, right, actually doesn't have toilet paper, that most of the world's population lives in around about anywhere between 12 and 20 square metres, not 107, and, you know, with corrugated iron sheds around them, uh, corrugated iron walls around them, and they don't have iPhones, um, and they're not blessed by furniture and they're not blessed by beautiful kitchen tables um, and yet there's happiness there. You've got to ask why. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why. They're attached to people. They're not attached to their iPhone. They're not attached to how great their house looks. They're not attached to what shape is their car and how fast does it go. They're attached to life and people and community. Quick story for you, mate. Guess what? Remember going to Africa, Kibera, one of the biggest slums in Africa. I go into the same little household that I was in the year before and I go, hey, Mama, Mama, where is the chook? Chook was the little baby that she had. Right? And she looks at me and she says, Oh, I don't know where the chook is. I said, Aren't you worried about where your baby is? She said, No, someone's looking after chook. In other words, someone in the great slum of Kibera is looking after her baby and she's not worried one iota. And then she says, No worry because I'll be looking after their children tomorrow. <laughs> It's not even it's not arranged. That's That's how communities look after each other. But that's who they're they're attached to, mate. You know? They're not attached to things. They're attached to people and generating their own happiness because they haven't got the money to buy things that supposedly give them happiness. They find it in other ways.
1: Well said. A good habit and a bad habit. Yeah,
0: absolutely, pal. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Oh, you're asking me what's a good <laughs> habit about it. I thought yes. you were making a
0: comment on it, you know? <laughs> no. Good habit is meditation every morning. Great habit is um, is valuing reading, taking the book wherever I go. Bad habit is anything that I allow to get in the way that stops me from not being the vision board on a daily basis. They're bad habits. Yeah. Um Bad habits is catching myself where monkey mind has actually taken over for two minutes, and I didn't find, and I and I wasn't aware of it. That's a bad habit. A great habit is when monkey mind arrives and is distracting me from doing what I'm spend, I'm supposed to be doing, and I become aware of it, and I say to monkey mind, eh, eh, "Hard luck, wrong movie." back you go, send me a new movie, please. I want a better movie than that, you know?
1: Picking it up in two minutes is pretty good, though. What do you mean? Yeah, oh, well,
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. You, mate, you you just got to do the work. Why we got to do the work? Because human involvement has put us into a situation where we've got to do a heck of a lot of work, and I'm not talking about your career, yeah. I'm talking about how we've allowed the mind to get to a point where it dominates. It was supposed to be a freaking organ like our bloody heart and our liver and our kidneys, but we've elevated it to prime position. And guess what? It plays prime position. Manage it, manage it, manage it. Yeah. Huh? Your biggest regret. Oh, biggest. That, that's an easy one. And I remember my dear wife once asking me whether I had regrets. Right? This is when we were married. And the answer is, I, I, I couldn't think of any regrets I had in my life. But since separation and divorce, I have developed one regret, and it's not separation and divorce. It's actually what that does to the concept of family, right?, No children deserve, even at 21, 25, 30 years of age, no children deserve not to feel as if they have family, right? So I regret being a catalyst for that experience for my two children, right? But equally, I'm going to say this. I think there is light, To that regret. And the light actually comes when they have their children, if they're so blessed. Because my dear wife, ex wife, and I will then be the beauty of grandparents. And we'll be able to do that to some degree together. And secondly, my children's focus will then be as parents and they'll be predominantly focused not on the family that they don't have but the family that they will create. And good news is they will create a more beautiful family because they will have learnt from their parents. hundred <laughs> percent. Yep, I agree. Well, hardly... I'm, I'm hoping that's the way it goes. <laughs> I, I could have it wrong. Yep. The best <laughs> advice you've ever received. Yeah, uh, best advice. Oh. Oh, mate, you're asking me to call upon books that I've read. I'm just going to go to a podcast recently, and forgive me, Magnus, it's not episode 30 with you. (laughs) (laughs) But Chad Foreman, the Buddhist monk, said in his recent podcast to me, I said, Chad, if you meditate and you meditate to a state of emptiness, unclutteredness, cleanliness of mind, I said, I'm confused. All you describe it is, is emptiness. Where is love in that? And here's what he said. Oh, my, I'm going to tear and up about this one. He said, love is the fragrance of emptiness. He said, love It's like when you enter into a state of emptiness of mind, unclutteredness, you're managing it. You can't help but feel love. You know there's something greater than self there, and love is its fragrance. Wow. Mate, I just went. That was a breakthrough for me because I wondered, I wondered how do you be, how do you get into non-attachment of things when you're actually attached to love? <laughs> it's another game changer. <laughs> it's a game changer, mate. Yeah. And he said, you get, if you're going to be attached to anything, manage that bloody mind so that you you feel the emptiness and don't you worry about love. That is love.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the fragrance. <laughs> you know?
1: again come back we have touched on it but with everest base camp yeah. what do you think is the five top benefits that people will gain from that experience depends on what depends on on what they bring to
0: to the trek i mean what i want uh, what i'd love them to bring is um, an appreciation of the Holy Trinity. Sorry, Catholics. And I'm not referring to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm actually referring to the most powerful force of nature upon planet Earth. Let it speak to you. Second, are the Sherpas maybe the most peaceful tribe of people upon planet Earth? They're going close. And thirdly, the beauty of Buddhism. And guess what? You get all three on the trek. In, invading your spirit at the same time. You can't come back the same person. You're going to be touched by it all, you know. So so getting in touch with that is, is, is important. Don't go to get to the destination. The destination's a bonus. You're on a journey far greater than reaching Everest Base Camp, which is a, a bit of ice and a whole lot of alluvial rocks. Far greater than that is what's around you. Embrace the journey. And if you're feeling the power of nature invade your spirit, then also express that through your love of people. At the moment, over there in, in Nepal, you got the Chinese, you got the Indians, you got the Europeans. They're all over there, mate, going to Everest base camp set up by the Sherpas. God bless them, right? So that they can start their climb to Mount Everest on about May the twenty sixth. You got people personified all you're around, all all around you. Love them. Guess what? Do they all want to talk to you? No. Welcome to humanity. But there's so much to learn from so many people, and you're sharing the same lodges with them day in, day out, you know? mate. so much to, to love and like and, and learn and embrace yeah. about those tricks. Yeah. Don't forget Langtang. Don't forget Annapurna's. Don't forget Gokyo Lakes either. Yeah.
1: You know? So in one sentence, how would you describe the Nepal people?
0: Beautiful calm peaceful humble dramatically unattached to a number of things invaders of your spirit
1: yeah. i can't wait to meet them <laughs>
0: why do you Incredible. meet my why you meet my head guide cheering <laughs> mate I call him privately, he doesn't know this, I hope he hears this. I call him my private Yoda. (laughs) Because to walk with sharing is to walk with the only man that I know who is leadership without saying anything. His presence is leadership personified.
1: Learn from sharing. What makes you laugh? (laughs) What makes you laugh, mate? What makes me laugh? That question? Pass. Come back to it. <laughs> what sort of level of fitness, I know we touched on it earlier, that you're going to need mentally and physically to take on board that trek to base camp, do you think?
0: Mate, you're already mentally ready for it if you just approach every base camp day at a time. Go for the journey, not the not – the, not the not the destination. Nation. If you go for the destination, mate, you're gonna let ego. You're gonna to have to make it every day. You have to make it at a certain pace. Um, don't don't play that game. Yeah. Go for the, the journey. journey to enjoy every day. If you make it, it's a lovely bonus, mate. You know. Yeah. Um, and what what was the other part of it, mate? Your, your preparations right. for yeah, it. Yeah,
1: me- mental and, and physical fitness.
0: Well, physical fitness is, I've already mentioned know, from knees up to just below the, uh, below the rib cage, mate. Make sure it's solid. Yep. Really, really solid. Yeah, you gotta have all the right gear too, you know. You don't want to be walking, and and you get a you get a snow cloud, or you're going through the Ferrische Valley, and the wind's pretty strong down there. You need to be protected. Um, that's all. That's all part of your well-being. But anyone anyway, who goes with us, mate, we'll we'll let them know exactly what gear they need.
1: Yeah, yeah. three great books
0: that you've read. Yeah, uh, one of the game changers for me at a very early age was the Prophet by Carl Gibran. Okay. Uh, and guess what? You can read it in a whole day. You know, Most people don't realise that they actually know the prophet. They've heard it at weddings. Sometimes it sneaks in almost as religious scripture. Your children are not your children, for they live in the house of tomorrow. Let you be like the archer who takes an arrow from his quiver and sends forth their children into the land of tomorrow, which you may not visit. You know, just great philosophy and great pictures of how life can be. Um, I also, I'm a bit of a fan at the moment of Sadhguru. You know, Sadhguru's book, uh, Inner Engineering and Karma, they're great. Uh, They're really, really uh, wonderful books. I've read Karma. Did you like it, I did. I did. Very interesting. Hey, I've got a tip for you around reading great books I don't know whether you're like me, but I'm a destroyer of books. Highlight pens and a pen to scribble all over. And then at the when you finish the book, go through all your highlights and summarize all the highlights into a page or two, but don't write down what you highlighted, write down your interpretation of the highlight. And what it means to you. And what it means to you. And then, mate, that summary of two pages, mate, that is gold. That is breakthrough paradigm. It shifts the way you see things because it's all about your interpretation of the magnificent gift that the author has given you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That maybe answers the next question. Give us a tip or advice.
0: Love is all there is. The rest is window dressing. Um, know that three years after you die, not many people will remember you. So therefore, don't take yourself so seriously now, you know. Not everything is as important as one thinks it thinks it is. Um, love is the fragrance of emptiness. Manage your mind, mate. If a lot of people out there th- talk about meditation. They think it's Rafiki sitting on the rock with his arms, with his legs folded. Mate, not even close. Meditation is simply recognizing that that you are separate from your thoughts. <laughs> and if you're separate from your thoughts, then manage the bugger. <laughs> yep. Don't let it invade you <laughs> on a daily, momentary, military basis. Minetary are made up of that word, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. yeah what's the rest of 2023 look like for you
0: rest of 2023 is i i i'm going to start that that journey of global treks that I've not done before so I've already started speaking to the the key ones in Nepal about going back in November and December to do Langtang I want to become a journey trekker not a destination trekker I did that Mera Peak last October oh my god 6400 metres I felt like Edmund Hillary mate I felt as if I actually got a taste of what it was like to be a mountain climber but buddy I don't want to be driven by having to make the destination, you know. So Langtang is a valley, and I want to go into that valley and I want to enjoy the power of nature there. Um, There's, you know, treks down Western Italy, for example, too, around the fishing villages, the Dolomites. There's so many treks in the world. I'm going to start that in November and December. The great treks of Japan are attracting me. Um, In the rest of 2023, meditation will become almost a daily exercise for me. Six days a week worth of exercise, got to be prioritized. They are the maintenance that allows me to live life fully.
1: Well said. And where is Bernie Kelly in five years?
0: Bernie Kelly in five years will be be a man who knows how to love deeply. And that love will spring from his connection with the most powerful forces of nature upon the planet. It will spring from connection that I am in some way related to, all people, not separate. Um, It will come from a greater capacity to love the moments um, of life and in 2000, in five years from now, I'll be further down that track than where I am now. The books will be out. There'll be two books at least out by then and uh, and the podcast, podcasts like this, congratulations, mate. Love your work for it, for doing it. And my podcast, um, they will be touching Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's the Journey with Bernie podcast in which I was fortunate enough to be a, a guest on a few months ago, episode 30. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just, you know, that that's as much for me as it is for our listeners. I learned so much from those podcasts. Yeah. JJ's podcast, oh, my godfather, Chad Foreman's podcast, you know. Um, Matthew Barber, oh, thank you, man, you know, awaken us to the power of the mind that needs to be controlled.
1: No? Yeah. What a great way to finish off! Thank you very much for coming in, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure,
0: mate. What a thank you, mate. Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, just what a joy it is to give me permission for Bernie to be Bernie.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love your authenticity. I love your energy and your passion, Bernie. Well done, mate.
0: Cheers, Magnus. Love you too, pal. Cheers, right, mate. Take care, eh? Well, gee. Dear people, you've copped a Bernie hiding today. I hope you enjoyed that episode with a difference. Thank you, Magnus Olsen, for putting me in the other chair and making me fully aware of what my guests experience. But I did enjoy it, and I hope that you, the listener, really enjoyed some of the content. Please remember, folks, they're not just my thoughts. They really are my take-home pay from the 36 guests over the last year that have embraced a journey with Bernie and haven't they taught us so much. What you just heard with Magnus Olsen is what I've learned from those wonderful people that have been on a journey with Bernie. Dear people, thank you ever so much for your patronage. Thank you for your support. Hey, and just remember...